On September 30th, you're invited to join the Upper Room in reflecting on the past 18 months of individual and collective trauma. The three-day online event, Resilience, Healing Practices for Mind, Body, and Spirit, will include storytelling, time for personal reflection and conversation, guided spiritual practice, and worship. To register, visit upperroom.org resilience. Don't miss early registration, which ends on August 30th. Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Ann Lancaster. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. In this week's episode, SDI Creative Director Matt Whitney speaks with Spiritual Director Teresa Blythe on her extraordinary journey following her calling from radio news anchor to full-time spiritual director. SDI members can read about her experience in the article, Feeling the Call of Deep Listening, Three Stories, in the August 2021 issue of Connections. Teresa? Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today for the SDI podcast. I know a lot of our members know you and you've been a longtime member of this organization and are a very accomplished and respected spiritual director. So this is really great to be able to chat with you here today. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I'm just so glad you invited me. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your spiritual direction practice and what that looks like? Sure. I've been doing it since 2000, year 2000, Mm. when I graduated from seminary at San Francisco Theological Seminary. And that's where I also got my diploma in the art of spiritual direction, along with a master's of divinity. So I graduated and did not feel particularly drawn or called to be a pastor, but to do freelance work, which everyone at the time said, you'll never make a living doing that. In a way, they were partially right. But I, I just felt like that was where I was needed. And so I began right out of the gate getting directees and working with them. And even when I moved to Tucson from the Bay Area, started a practice there, moved from there to Phoenix, where I am now. And it just continued. And then with the advent of the online work, I now work mostly online with people from all over the country. So it used to be face-to-face, just a few people, and then it grew and grew. And it grew because I just kept praying. (laughs) My my business plan was, God, whoever you want me to see in spiritual direction, just send them to me, or may our paths cross, and I'll work with them. And so I just worked with whoever came. I didn't have rules, and I wasn't picky, and learned so much. I've worked with so many different denominations. I've worked with people who have no faith background, and I've learned so much. So, you know, I started out in radio, my first career, and I thought nothing would be more fun than radio. And radio is a lot of fun. And I loved it. I was so into it, so career driven. But when I shifted into this, you know, now I can say nothing in my life has been more meaningful than working with people in spiritual direction. So I've always been career oriented and it always needed to be fun, exciting. And spiritual direction is, I mean, it's not all fun, but it's very, very satisfying and meaningful. 
And so I've been so fortunate to have jobs and to have work that was purposeful for me. Hmm. There's a lot there I want to ask you about. Let's start with when you were in seminary and you wanted to go into spiritual direction and you knew you wanted to do it vocationally, but people were telling you, good luck with that. (laughs) I know a lot of spiritual directors struggle to sort of make a living from it or, you know, build a practice. And you mentioned trust and prayer, but what was that like to sort of get your practice off the floor and really begin coming out of seminary with that sense that like, this is going to be hard. I don't know if I can do it or make it sustainable, but I'm going to try. Right. Well, first of all, it kind of lit a fire underneath me when they said, oh, nobody does this full time. And there was a lot of pressure to take a pastor job. You know, people were saying, just become an associate pastor, do it half time, take a small church, whatever. And I remember I was going through an ordination process where they were saying that. And I remember saying to them, I know you want me to be an associate pastor for about five years, but, you know, I'm going to skip that part (laughs) because I'm second career. That doesn't feel life giving to me. It doesn't feel like what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to jump to the freelance part. And I did. And the part where they were right was it was really hard. You start off with maybe one, two, three directees. And then, you know, it takes a while to build a clientele. And so I was fortunate. I have a husband who is a physical therapist. And so he was making the mortgage and paying the bills. So I freely admit that was what was sustaining me. But I also took what I call anchor jobs. I took little jobs, contract jobs around church work or spirituality. And I was always doing that to bring in kind of the base income as I was building clients. And it was only until a year and a half ago that I started making what I would think most people would think of as a full-time salary doing spiritual direction. But it's been such a journey. I mean, I've had so many good experiences. Spiritual direction is so applicable to all kinds of ministry work. I've done visitation, pastor work, fill-in for pastors, you know, just vacation type things. I did a short three-month interim. So you have a lot of skills, but for me, I once had a business coach and he was really encouraging me. He said, if you know that this is what you want to do, don't let anything get in the way of it. You can do these other things if they don't take up too much of your energy, but keep that boat pointed (laughs) toward your destination. And that was really helpful. Then I cleared out some things that were just bogging me down. And what really picked things up for me, spiritual direction wise, was some books that I wrote about spiritual direction, Spiritual Direction 101, 50 Ways to Pray. And then my latest book was a co-author with Chad Abbott on how to use spiritual practices with congregations. It's called Incline Your Ear. So that that's helped bring in clients. But what really did it for me was when I started teaching, I taught several years as the director of the Hezekiah School of Spiritual Direction in Tucson. And then I felt the time was right to move into my own teaching of a program. And so I started an apprentice program where I teach people one-on-one, which is kind of where I excel. I like one-on-one better than groups and things. So that's been the anchor job now that has allowed me to support myself 
but it took a long time. And I'm so envious. I'm so proud of these younger spiritual directors who are starting wellness centers and they're finding ways to make a living kind of right off the bat. But I feel like maybe some of the work I did pave the way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned all these, you call them anchor jobs, mm-hmm. but they are, I wouldn't even say tangentially related. Like they're the work of spiritual direction, but maybe manifesting in different ways in these sort of group settings, you know, yeah. be it teaching or writing books. It seems like you're being creative with the notion of what this listening modality is to kind of come full circle to where you sort of see it foundationally, which is in the one-to-one relationship paradigm. You had a very clear sense of calling, but were you ever discouraged along the path? I mean, there's certainly roadblocks and bumps in the road, but did you ever doubt that calling or waver from it or question it? I didn't struggle with it. Like, you know, some people feel a call and they struggle, struggle before they kind of surrender. I didn't feel that. It started with the desire to go to seminary. So I'll just back up. I grew up, my family was fundamentalist Christian. And even as a little child, that didn't fit for me. It just created anxiety and unrest within my soul. And as a little kid, you don't know what to do with that. You just feel like you're bad. Yeah. (laughs) The the preacher is saying, you know, if you believe you'll go to heaven and I'm sitting there going, I believe, but I don't like what I'm hearing. So when I was 18, I was no longer under my parents' guidance. I left that church and started exploring a more progressive Christianity. I just discovered that that's not all there is to Christianity. So that quest led me to spiritual direction. I mean, when I found out, I had a pastor in Tucson, and she was just casually talking about her spiritual director. And I said, what are you talking about? What is this thing? (laughs) And she explained it to me, and she happened to be in a training program, this pastor, and she needed a directee. So I said, I want to do this. And I did. And from that day on, I don't think I've gone without a spiritual director, maybe a couple of months, like in between people. But I guess it's a little dramatic. It saved my life. It saved my spirituality. It was salvation for me. I got to know a different image of God. I was able to explore, to have questions. So it meant so much to me being in spiritual direction. I was in radio, doing radio news, journalism. When I started to get a little bit tired of it, or at least seminary was the thing I wanted to explore. But because I wanted to be a really good spiritual director that also knew the Bible and theology and the things that you learn in seminary. So as I said, I really loved radio. And I had done it kind of seriously for news stations. There were all news stations back at that time. And uh, reporter, anchor, editor, all of that stuff. And then the business really changed. A lot of stations changed format. They didn't have to do news anymore because I think the fairness doctrine was shot down. And the jobs just shrank. So the job that I found after that was with a classic rock station, which was a lot of fun. But I was given like 100 seconds to do news. I did the 100 second news update. And it was one of those things where if you've ever listened to these rock stations where the DJs interrupt you and make fun of you while you're doing the news. It's like, you know, you just really struggle to get through it and you're laughing and carrying on. And so that was just like, is this what I really got into radio to do? But it was fun. So I kept doing it. But then one day 
these DJs, they were real macho guys. And they decided it would be fun to bring in a stripper to the radio station, which was really just for their own benefit. Because, I mean, you know, a stripper on radio, that just doesn't doesn't add up. And I'm not a prude, but my little cubicle was right next to where all this was happening. So I'm sitting there and I'm typing up the news. This is while the songs are being played. She's doing all this stuff on the counter where the guys are. And I just looked over there and I just had this moment and said, it's time. You know, this is not what I want to be doing. I wasn't terribly offended, but I did talk to the program director. I said, this is ridiculous and it is sexist. And I don't really think it's the direction you want the station to go. But it was a moment of realization that for me, meaning in life was more important than just having fun. So I made a decision. There was a seminary in Baltimore. That was where I was working. There was a seminary, a Catholic seminary, St. Mary's, that had an ecumenical institute that had an MDiv program. All the classes were at night. I didn't want to do that whole program, but I took a few courses. I took a Bible course, a New Testament course, a spirituality course, and a theology course. And that's where I realized this is what I want to do. And I didn't know exactly But this is what I want to do. So I had been attracted to the Bay Area, like a lot of people are for at least a period of time in their life. And San Francisco Theological Seminary, I was Presbyterian at the time. So I went there and it was just a beautiful interlude in my life. Four years, I studied spiritual direction and the MDiv. And that's when I knew it was spiritual direction that I was really called to do. And the program just changed my life. I realized I saw myself as a contemplative. I guess I was before, but I didn't even know what that meant. And I started doing different prayer practices. I realized there were so many different ways to connect with God. And so that was my direction. But then just doing that spiritual direction was a struggle because Presbyterians wanted to put pastors in pulpits and they wanted me to do that. And I just didn't want to. So I ended that ordination process with them and struck out on my own to write and do spiritual direction. And it's been a very meaningful, happy vocation, but it was not a financially sustainable vocation for many, many years. So that's why I say it made me mad for people to say you can't do this full time, but I I sort of see where they were coming from. But I wouldn't say that to people now. I mean, I really wouldn't. I would say if you, If you really feel called and you've got the gifts and you got the right attitude, I think you can find a way to make a living. It may take a while, but you can find a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you named it at the beginning of our conversation. You hold it in prayer. You sort of trust the synchronicity of the universe. So we'll put it that way, right? To reciprocate that calling. Being called to spiritual direction is wanting to help. It's wanting to be of service to others. It's wanting to really just help people on their journeys. Mm-hmm. I think it's a worthy call. It's something that one can trust. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to a lot of spiritual directors and they become spiritual directors, usually from other walks of life. Sometimes people know right away they want to be spiritual directors, but often it's, they've come from, you know, a pastoral job or religious service and move into spiritual direction or it becomes a retirement job. I have met business people and lawyers who made that switch, but never a classic rock DJ. (laughs) It's pretty cool. 
And I'm a little bit sorry that it didn't work out. I heard in you how much fun it was. So you share a little bit of this story in our Connections member newsletter and the story about the stripper in the cubicle and you're trying to write the news and you called it an awakening. Uh That's the word you used. Uh But I want to hear a little bit more about that because the idea of awakening or calling It can be clear cut, it can be a joyous moment, but that didn't sound like a very joyous moment. How did you feel that awakening in you? How did that manifest? Mm. It was like a cleansing. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't joyous, but it also, it was just, okay, this is it. This is a turning point. And I mean, I did struggle to leave radio. That was where the struggle was because I did like it. And even through seminary, I worked for Metro Traffic in San Francisco on the weekends. I would do sports reports, news reports, traffic reports, all of that, because I guess the awakening was this radio work feeds your ego, but you're ready to have your soul fed and you're ready to work with people on a soul level. And so it was that awakening from out of ego into something bigger. And I mean, I had been so benefited by spiritual direction. I wanted to give back. You know, when you're in training for spiritual direction, some of these programs will say, well, you know, you have to have the gift. You can't be trained. You know, you need to have the gift, the charism for spiritual direction. And the way you'll know it is if people are already coming to you for advice or for help or to talk to you about spiritual things. That was not my story. My story was, I loved it and I wanted to give it to others. So, you know, there's different ways we're called into spiritual direction. Through the training, I acquired the gift. Another moment that came to me was, I liked broadcasting because your voice was reaching people. I thought, I just want to broadcast now to a different audience. You know, I want to reach people differently and I want to reach people who are looking for kind of the same thing rather than just people who are listening to the radio on their way to work. My spiritual moments have been pretty ordinary in my life. They've been, you know, a song lyric or a realization that just shifts and everything's a little bit different after the shift. And that was one of those shifts. That's beautiful. Teresa Blythe is a spiritual director, educator, and author. She founded the Phoenix Center for Spiritual Direction, housed at First UCC Church in downtown Phoenix. For 14 years, she was the director of the Hezekiah School of Spiritual Direction. She's now training spiritual directors online at Apprentice Spiritual Direction Training. So something you were just sharing about wanting to have a voice that mattered, that people heard, storytelling and going into seminary and being side by side, like there's the spiritual direction, but also the draw to pastoral ministry. And people were like, oh, you should be a pastor. Go be a pastor, right? Like we need pastors and pulpits. And yet you very clearly were like, no, spiritual direction. Why not the pastoral ministry? How did you have such a clear sense of the difference between the two? Because a pastor, you could have had a voice and teaching pulpit and all of that, right? That must have been something of a temptation, I guess. 
No, it wasn't a temptation. <laughs> what it was is in the spiritual direction training program, it was a long one at SFTS and a lot of introspection. I just got to know myself really well. And I discovered myself to be an introvert. And I discovered that I like boundaries, pretty strong boundaries. I don't want to be the leader of 150, 200 people that all kind of want a little bit of me or have expectations of me. I realized my personality wasn't right for it. And that was okay. In fact, they send you to a lot of psychological counseling when you're in ordination processes. And I've had it at least twice because I'm now an ordained United Church of Christ clergy person, ordained to the Ministry of Spiritual Direction. And both of them just really affirmed that the way I am made is more for really meaningful one-on-one or small group interaction that for me to feel free, I need to freelance. Well, one of my spiritual experiences, when I was trying to make money to go to seminary, I took a public relations job, which I hated. I mean, I just, it was just the worst, but I had this dream. And in this dream, it was just really simple. I just was at this desk and I looked up, the desk had a shelf and I saw this plaque that had my name on it. It said, Teresa Blythe, Director of Creative Planning. And I just like, what does this dream mean? I just really sat with this dream and prayed with this dream. And it finally came to me, oh, I'm really supposed to put my career, my vocation together, kind of a, in a freelance way that I'm not really made to work for an organization, and especially not a church. I'd had enough experience with churches. I kind of know what personality type works well as a pastor. I'd seen ones like me. I'd known some who were like me and they were tortured. They wanted to please everybody and they couldn't. And they just, they were kind of spiritual, mystical types, contemplatives. And so I said, no, that's not for me. And it's okay. It was okay. The interim job I did for three months was okay, but I mean, it just confirmed, yeah, I don't want to do this 12 months out of the year. No, that makes a lot of sense. It seems like you had a really clear sense of what is required of being a pastor and knew that you were just not the type of person to do that. I love what you just said about freelance and feeling free. (laughs) That really resonated with me. You've Um, done it, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, I've done it. Yeah, I know what that's like. I want to ask you about your own spiritual walk. And you talked about having very ordinary moments, Mm -hmm. like lyrics to a song things that resonate with you. And this is kind of an intimate question, but I just want to ask you like how you understand your life with God and how do you attune to that and pay attention to that? It shifts. The pandemic's been hard for me. I mean, I like working from home, but there was something about the enormity of it that shook me. And so I was having trouble praying. I was having trouble sitting. I like to sit in silence. I feel like that's a good way to center and to become still, but I was not still. So I decided to lean on others during that time. So I found this phone app, Pray As You Go. A lot of my directees had been talking about it. So I just, I thought, I'll let the Jesuits pray for me. I'll just hit the button and pray with them. But prior to that, and I'm getting back to a more regular time, it's been journaling, it's been dream work, some Lexio with scripture, 
I go through phases where I read a lot of spiritual material and then phases where I just got to read some fiction or something really yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. Well, how I understand my life with God is I look kind of like Parker Palmer talks about, let your life speak. I look at my life. I look at some things that have happened and I see the hand of God. And so it's kind of in the rear view mirror that I understand God because I'm in the moment. God's with me, but I can't say I understand God. Mm-hmm. But I look back, especially when this first person approached me and said, could I be your apprentice? Could you mentor me? She said, I can't attend a training program. It doesn't fit my life with my four children and how my life is set up. And I said, mm, you really need a program. You know, you need the cohort. You need this, that. And I dismissed her. But she said, well, would you just think about it? Would you pray about it? And I said, absolutely. And I did. And out of that, out of her request and some other things in life, the Hezekiah School Program, I decided I was ready to leave that. This beautiful new project in my life emerged. And I feel God's presence more when I'm in spiritual direction with someone or teaching an apprentice than I do in my morning meditations. But that's okay. I don't want work to be my whole life. But for now, I look and I see how God has gave me this beautiful gift at a time when I was getting restless. I was like, something's just not quite right. And then this comes along. That's how I look back and I see, okay, God is moving me into this new creative thing and it just popped, you know, it just worked. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to. I just put out in my little newsletter that I was doing this and all of a sudden, I mean, I just can't keep up. I added a trainer because I can't keep up. And that's not ever been the story of my life in work. I mean, radio, you have to promote yourself. You have to really go after the jobs. You compete with so many different people. I've never had something come to me. So I was like, okay, this must be God. And that gave me kind of the comfort to get through the pandemic. But I think I was kind of in a little dark night of the soul where you just are not getting the consolations that you got before. But I'm just going to trust because life is so good and the blessings are there that, yeah, it's happening. Thank you for sharing that and for opening your heart to us. One thing that was really insightful is just trusting in the moment, but not really understanding, but then seeing in the past tense, looking back over your life and your story and having things feel more clear about where God spirit showed up. That feels really insightful, but also you mentioned the ways that God shows up in spiritual direction in the Mm -hmm. sessions. I've experienced that myself and it's always such a surprise. It it shouldn't be, (laughs) but I'll be feeling really low and, you know, kind of in a dark night myself and like, Oh, I have a session with somebody. And then afterwards I'll just be so alight and we're supposed to be the ones helping people. Right. When we're in the session, it's not at all about us. Yeah. Blessings are there. So afterwards, you can kind of take it in like, oh, they had an experience that I can learn from. I don't have to have that same experience, but I can learn from theirs. Yeah, we all, we talk so much internally about spiritual direction being like holding up the mirror for somebody so that they, they can see God in themselves. But it's often that we, in sitting with somebody else and listening to them, we see ourselves in their story too. And, you know, being mindful of transference and counter-transference and that, there's something in the sharing of one story that is always heart awakening. And I'm embracing more and more and learning more in contemplative listening. 
where you're not asking a question necessarily, but you're reflecting something you notice in the story. You allow something that has resonated in you to be shared with them. And I'm learning more how that is really a work of the spirit so that I'm not just, you know, firing questions at someone, but they share their tragedy. And it's like, I feel that sadness. I'm so sorry that you went through that. You know, that kind of observation and reflection, I'm finding God showing up more in that. And those times when you say something that you didn't really, it just came to you and was the perfect thing to say. And those are few and far between, but they're really, I feel like, where did that come from? Where did I get the courage to say that thing? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that was not me. I'm not clever enough to come up with something like that. When they tell you later, oh, and you said this thing in spiritual direction, it was so helpful. And you don't even remember that you said it. Yeah, you're like, I did. I mean, yeah, I did. Yeah, good. (laughs) Yeah, I know that happens a lot. It's really, it's miraculous. You've been so generous with your sharing. Thank you. I do want to ask you real quick about how you discovered SDI and became a member and, and what that's been like for you. When I was graduating from San Francisco Theological Seminary, SDI was being run by Jeffrey Gaines, a pastor in San Francisco, Presbyterian pastor. So there was no way I would not hear about SDI. (laughs) He was all over the place and he was such a cheerleader for spiritual direction. So I joined because, you know, you join, you get Presence Magazine, you get listed on the Seek and Find Guide. And then I read the articles and I was reviewing books for Peggy for a while. And so those kinds of connections. I've been to one SDI conference. That was the one in Costa Mesa, California years ago. And God willing, I'm going to go to Santa Fe in 2022. So I'm excited about that. And I'm not going to try to be a presenter or any of that stuff. I'm going to go, I'm going to learn and enjoy because that's what I really have appreciated about SDI recently the webinars, the opportunities to do continuing education. And as a UCC clergy, I have to do 12 hours of continuing ed every year and report to them. And that's great, but I could use the SDI webinars, you know, and enhance my practice. So I am really pushing those webinars, especially on the apprentices. Like if you want to learn more, there's probably a webinar on SDI that covers the subject, or I'll cover something kind of briefly like those social justice aspects. Well, there's a whole four hour webinar on SDI that you can learn a lot more about it. So I'm really happy with the webinars. Yeah, good. Thank you. And yes, they're recorded. We do one or two a month. And, you know, after a few years, there's just this whole Mm -hmm. library of topics. God willing, we will have a conference in Santa Fe in 2022. We're planning to, and we hope to. Even if we have to wear hazmat suits, you know, or something. Seriously, yes, yeah, so we all roll around in plastic bubbles. But I love what you said, because I was thinking, well, obviously you should do a workshop or teach or something, but I love <laughs> that you want to go just to be there and experience it and be in the community without any obligation to work, right? I want it to be stress-free and wonderful. I want to go to Santa Fe and enjoy that adorable little downtown square that they have and be with my people. Yeah, good. Oh, that's wonderful. Teresa, is there anything else that you would like to share? I'm so grateful for this time. I just want to encourage continuing education because as spiritual directors, we can get stuck in bad habits or we can think we have it all down. We don't need any more education, but if we continually learn 
and grow, we're just going to be so much better and contribute so much more to the community. So I just want to push learning, especially learning about more embodied ways of being with our directees, learning about historical trauma, collective trauma, which we're going through right now, and refreshing our listening skills. So being a teacher, I got to put that plug in, just yeah. get out there, learn, continually challenge yourself. It's a beautiful reminder. I mean, we're all beginners, right? And we're always starting anew and we should always be lifelong learners. I mean, this is what this work is about, right? Spiritual directions. We're always learning from the people we sit with as well. Teresa, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a joy to get to chat with you here. Well, I'm so glad that you invited me. I remember listening to one of your podcasts. You were talking to a chaplain who works with atheists and spiritual, but not religious. And it was yeah. so illuminating. I thought I'd like to do one of those. So thanks for inviting me. Good, of course. You're so welcome. And come back and let's do it again. Okay. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.